Welcome to episode 31 and get ready for a live mock interview. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. All right, guys, this is a good one. So we have Jamie back. If you've been listening to the Pre-PA podcast for a while, you remember Jamie from episode 16. And she's a PA student. She is awesome, has great advice. She's on Instagram. Also helps out with the Pre-PA Reddit. And so we decided it would be fun to jump on Instagram Live and try to do a mock interview. And thankfully, everything worked out and it went really, really well. So it was a lot of fun. So we're sharing that today. I'm going to talk about the book. This is already a little bit of a long episode, so we're just going to jump in. And I think you're really going to get a lot out of this. It's awesome. So much fun. Um, I told Jamie if she stands me up, I'm going to come to Michigan and find her because that would be so embarrassing. But anyway, um, yay, hey guys. Hi. Thanks for joining. I'm so excited. So we're going to see how this goes. Hopefully no technical difficulties if we can help it. Um, Sometimes I know in these joint Instagram live things, things happen and technology gets in the way. So yeah, hoping that doesn't happen today for us, but um, we'll see how this live Instagram mock interview live goes. Um, so if you've never really, oh, there's Jamie, she showed up. Um, if you've never followed my account or if you're coming from Jamie's account or if you don't know Jamie, I'll let her introduce herself, um, once she comes on, but I'm Savannah. I am a dermatology PA and I also run the PA platform, which is a website. And so, yeah, thanks for joining everybody. This is exciting. Um, let's see. I know that I've been telling you guys for a while that I had a big announcement coming, and so we can, (laughs) Jamie's fashionably late, we can go ahead and I just want to tell you guys because I'm so excited. And then um, I'll talk about it again at the end just once we we can get into questions with Jamie and all that, and she's going to talk about some interview stuff too. But CASPA interviews are pretty much done for the season. There's still a few schools doing some interviews. But next season, we want you to be ready for interviews so that you can hopefully um, join us as Jamie is about to graduate and become a PA. And um, I know that that's kind of the goal. So my big announcement is, okay, so when I applied to PA school, oh gosh, in 2010, 2010, yeah, Um, there wasn't a ton of information out there about PA stuff. So that's what kind of made me start the PA platform in general. Um, And when it came to interviewing, there was one book out there about interviewing. And that book, I mean, it was great at the time, and I think it did help me. I think mock interviews probably helped me a little bit more. But um, we are now in 2000, what is it, 18? And there is still only one book out there about interviewing. And if you read that book, which everyone does, um, to be perfectly honest, a lot of the information I don't agree with or I feel like it's kind of outdated. So this was really bothering me when I was doing mock interviews and um, kind of seeing this. So I decided that I was going to fix it myself. So... Um, it's not, I wish I had one in hand, but within the next couple of weeks on Amazon, you are going to be able to get a new book about interviewing. So I'll give y'all a little sneak peek for joining in. Let me switch my screen here and see if this works. Okay. I'm going to turn this a little bit. There it is. So, um, the Physician Assistant School Interview Guide, and that will be coming out, like I said, within the next couple weeks, and it should be ready to go and on Amazon and on my website by the time um, interviews start rolling around. So I hope that this will help a little bit more. Just, um, yeah, so I'm excited about it. There's going to be a ton of giveaways, a ton of op- 
opportunities to get some. Um, I don't know how much yet. Very affordable. I don't want it to be something that you can't get. I just haven't gotten the Amazon process. It's pretty complicated. So um, yeah, once all that is figured out, I will be telling you guys so much more about it and posting about it. But yeah, I'm really excited. So yeah, I hope you guys, it's helpful for everyone who's going through interviews. Um, oh, I think I just paused it. Okay. All right, I'm going to switch my screen back around and get this situated and bring Jamie on. And again, if anyone, we'll, we'll talk about it again, just if anyone missed that. So, all right, let's see if I can. Thank you. I'm so glad you love the cover. That was very, it, it's, it, it is, I've been working on this for so long. So if you've ever emailed me or messaged me and I've taken days to get back to you, it's probably because I'm stressing out about writing this book. So it's about 210 pages. Um, it's, it goes over um, traditional interviews, behavioral, ethical questions, MMI. We break everything down. Um, it's got over a list of over 350 questions in it, um, a mock interview guide, interview preparation worksheets, tons of stuff. So I am very, very excited to share that with you guys. And it'll be, there'll be a print version and a Kindle version. So yeah, that's about it for me. So, all right, let's, um, see if I can bring Jamie on and get this to work. Hey, Jamie. Hello. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Can everybody hear us and all that stuff? And okay, I think we're good. Awesome. I was nervous. We both chose to sit in our kitchens. We did, and we're both wearing black, except for you're a little more formal than I am in your interview attire. Um, so Jamie, if you haven't met Jamie, she is a PA student, a second year PA student on clinical rotations. When do you graduate? You August. Remember? Okay, so not that long. Um, and she is awesome, so you should follow her account too. And she did a talk today about wardrobe. Do you want to talk about any of that at all? If you do have questions about PA school interview attire or just like job interview attire in general, uh, go ahead and go to my account. I posted it to my stories and I made a highlight. Okay, cool. I'm getting some comments that it's frozen. It's so frozen. Hopefully it comes back. Y'all let us know. We're probably lagging or something. Exit, then come back and it won't be frozen anymore. Oh, I think there's <laughs> click off the live and go back on. It works for me. Okay, so... For anyone watching, not us, if you are, if it's frozen, go off and then come back on. So, all right. It's working. Okay. Um, so, in a traditional mock interview, like if I'm doing one with the PA platform, it's going to be a little bit different setup than what we're doing tonight. So, typically, we'll go through, straight through questions. We'll do 20, 30 minutes of questions and then afterwards talk about them. But I don't think that's the best um format for this so me and Jamie talked about it and we're kind of just going to go question one by one and see how many we can do and what we can do and talk about them and yeah so we'll be trying to follow your comments but it may be a little bit difficult but yeah if you have any questions or anything go ahead and, and comment with those so all right you ready anything you want to add or say are you good the only thing I'll add is I mentioned briefly in my story that the reason I leave my hair down is because I have piercings that I like to cover, but the hazard with leaving your hair down is that you might fiddle with it. So in a real interview, I bring a portfolio with me and I have a pen and paper and I hold that the whole interview so that I don't touch my hair. Yeah, I'm a so bad hair toucher too. In real life, I'm playing with this cord. Yeah, I touch my hair too. So when I was in interviews, I would pull my hair back into a ponytail and then I consciously made an effort to clasp my hands together and hold them in my lap really hard. So, um, and that kind of helped me with nerves too. But yeah. All right. Let's do it. Ready? It's like a plan. All right, Jamie. Right. You scared me. You said you're hard. All right. Well, I don't know. What, what did I ask you the other day that threw you off? I forgot. Um, what? don't like me <laughs> oh yeah why do your classmates not like you <laughs> that's a good one I thought more elegantly but yeah well maybe 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 we'll do a, a variation of that um but yeah we'll try it there in some some curved balls okay so just to start out and I have my questions because I wrote them out um tell me a little bit about yourself so 
My name is Jamie, and I have a Bachelor of Science from Grand Valley State University. I decided to go to Grand Valley because I wanted to stay in Michigan, but I wanted to live a little bit further away from my parents and kind of branch out in that way. So I chose to go there, and I've had a great experience learning about all the different types of sciences and kind of fell in love with medicine. So I've been working towards everything I can possibly work towards to become a PA. And part of that is my patient care experience, which I got by being a CNA. And so I've been working in a nursing home for about a year and a half now. I'm, um, I work night shift usually, and I do it while I'm in school as well as full time over the summer. Okay. So I'm answering these questions, by the way, as if I was applying to PA school. Like, let's right. just throw it for me. We're going to ignore all of my experience. Right, exactly. Um, okay, so I like that you introduced yourself. That's one thing that I love for people to do when they are starting out. Even though I feel like if you've already said your name, like, you really want the schools to be able to put a face with your name. So I don't think it's a bad idea to go ahead and do that again. Um and I like that you talked about your schooling and your experience. So one thing that I like for telling me about yourself, I think of this as a first date question or speed dating question. Um, and I kind of want to know more just about you too. Like I already know you want to be a PA. So I want to know that you, um, what you do for fun and what your hobbies are and what your family's like and where you're from and what's important to you. Um, and just a little bit more in my mind, the more personal your interview is, the better. What are your thoughts on that, Janie? Can I try again? Yeah, sure. Okay, so. Tell me about my yourself. Is Jamie, and I grew up in southeast Michigan. I have a passion for dogs. I don't have one personally, but I've been volunteering at animal shelters, walking dogs, until I can adopt my own. Um. I do really enjoy random activities like knitting. I'm actually 100 years old. I like to knit and go to bed early. I really enjoy getting my nose stuck in a good book. But more importantly, I really like to talk to people. I really like to learn about other people's interests. And I think that it's really fun to get to know other people. See, now I learned stuff about you. I think people like your answers, by the way. Your dog stuff. Um, no, and I think, so that's more of the personal stuff I'm looking for. And when I coach, I mean, I think there's a fine line. I think you can go like, you could even kind of merge your answers a little bit with talking about personal stuff first and then going into kind of a little bit about your educational background, a little bit about what you're doing to get patient care hours, um, just to bring it back to the subject. So, yeah. All right. So, why do you want to be a PA? I have always wanted to go to medical school, actually. And, and when I was probably 15, I was really interested in infertility. I was reading all sorts of books about parents who couldn't conceive. And I found it really um, inspiring, I guess, when they were able to create that family and so reproductive endocrinology was something that had interested me. And all of a sudden, med school was off the table, and I wanted to be a genetic counselor. But I don't even think I knew what that was at the time. I just kept putting words in, trying to figure out like this ideal career that would allow me to get my degree, start working, but still allow me to have this kind of, sort of uh, time off, if you will. And... I also have a family member who is in medical school, and I kind of realized that the doctor path is not what was calling to me. It was the patient care and the diagnosing and the treating. So I didn't necessarily want to be the boss. I didn't want to be the big cheese or like make really critical, crit critical decision. I was more interested in the diagnosis and treatment of infertility at the time, but medicine in general. And I had no idea that PAs or MPs even existed. My personal physician was a physician and didn't have a med level in their practice. And all of a sudden I started nanny 
for just like a random person I met on the internet through Fair.com, and her neighbor was the PA. And it was like opening a door and realizing there was a totally different world of healthcare that I had no idea did. And I just really thought that I valued a lot what PA degree career because teamwork has always been a very big part of my life. I'm a very hard worker and I find that I really enjoy work as a part of something like that. So I to be in a team with a doctor, with nursing staff and that ability to diagnose own patients but have someone that I bounce ideas off of if necessary. And I really liked, especially in the hospital setting, how colleagues you would be able to have kind of all the different things you could do with just a master's degree and I found that really um, kind of exciting that a master's degree could get you the ability to do basically exactly what I wanted so here I am <laughs> at your interview you did it um okay so I was a little nervous when you started that honestly um I, th- I feel like it was a little risky to start with I've always wanted to go to medical school, but I do feel like you kind of brought it, like, you you did a good job of telling your story, and that is that is what I look for. Like, I want to know how you became interested in medicine and how you found out about the PA profession, and then from there, where you went with that as far as finding out more about it um, and taking the steps necessary to make sure that it was something that you felt really passionate about and that you really understood. So I, I would say that might be like a perfect answer. Um, to people, I think you did really good. Um, to people asking if this will be available afterwards, we are planning on it. Um, as long as, again, technology agrees with us, that is the plan. Um, and then somebody asked, do you have time for such detailed answers? And you may speak to your, like, you may have a different thought on this than me, but I personally don't necessarily believe in um, limiting your answers based on length. I think the only exception to that for me is in a group interview. If you're in a group setting, you do need to be a little bit more aware of timing as far as because you have other applicants who need to answer. So maybe keep it to two minutes or less, which I don't think if you were over that, it wasn't much. Um... But yeah, so I think as long as you're providing new important information, it's up to you to take control of your interview because you don't know what else they're going to ask you. They may ask you three questions, and if you give 30-second answers and don't provide the information, you're going to lose that opportunity to do so. Um, So especially for this one, if any answer is longer or more detailed or more in-depth, it should be why you want to be a PA. That should be the answer that you give the most complete or the question you give the most complete answer to in my opinion so what are, I don't know what your thoughts are on that Jamie I know you said before that you ramble sometimes so I am a rambler so my answers will probably be a little on the longer side to begin with however these are real answers that I would actually give in an interview that is kind of the point of this so I'm two for two on acceptedness. I don't know that that necessarily means anything. I was but too. In my experience, they want to get to know you. That's why you're in that seat. And like you said, if you're too concise, you may end up finishing 10 minutes early. And then they're like, do you have any questions? And you're like, no. <laughs> and then and then what? There's 10 minutes you wasted. So I kind of like, well, for, for my answers, I tend to be a little bit different I guess in how I start them like like you said my answer with the starting with medical school was gutsy uh, I think that there's a right and wrong way to do all of these answers and I think if I had been like well I wanted to go to med school but I realized PA school is way easier and I could still treat patients not an acceptable answer for sure but to discuss that like I didn't really know what a doctor truly did and like didn't understand their role I think that that I think that's totally like a good way to it and I think that my particular thing there might have been a little long well and I think the other thing too that you did really well that some people don't is a lot of people when I asked them this 
they want to just tell me all the great things about being a PA and all of the great qualities about being a PA. Like, oh, you have so much flexibility and lateral mobility and um, school is short. Like, all these things, which are great, but I already know that. The admissions committee already knows that. Like, I need to know why you specifically want to do this. And so I need to know that you kind of like you said, like you fell in love with the job itself and what you saw as far as what the job entails on a day-to-day -day basis of seeing patients and working as part of a team and all of those things. Um, I don't need you to list off for me why it's a great profession. So um, it really, this should be a very personal answer as to why you're making this decision to be a PA. Yeah. I agree with that. Okay, you ready? Um, I didn't choose a specific program. If you want to do it for Detroit Mercy, you can. But um, why would you be a good fit for our program? Well, to begin with, I'm from the Detroit area. So I'm very familiar with the hospital systems. And I'm really interested in finding a job in the southeast Michigan area, which is where we have our clinical rotation through Detroit Mercy, and so that's one of the biggest things that drew me to Detroit Mercy to begin with, but it wasn't the clinical rotations that made me stay. It was a lot of the aspects, like our small class size at only 40 people accepted at the time. We're going up by 10 every year until we get to 80. Yeah. So 40 classmates in PA school is really ideal. I know that there are a lot of larger programs. I feel like I would really flourish with that individualized attention, especially in classes where maybe I'm struggling or even if I'm succeeding, having support from faculty is very important. So that definitely one thing that really drew me to Detroit Mercy's program. Also, I really just their reputation is unparalleled. We have 100% pass rates, and it's very evident that Detroit Mercy really cares for their students because we have three course options for PA candidates, and that would be the part-time program where maybe you have a family already and you're interested in that, want to still be able to like be a part of your children's lives and not just disappear for two years. We have the full-time program, which is more of a traditional route, but we also have the five-year program where we have three years of a bachelor degree merging directly into a master's right out of high school. And I think that that makes it really obvious that we kind of cater to every type of candidate, and I really liked that about this school. You good? <laughs> Sometimes I just wait to see if you're actually done. Um, That's what my fiance says all the time. <laughs> just lets you talk forever and ever. Um, yes. Okay, so with this question, oh, that was my questions. Um, I think what you did was interesting. So the way I phrased it, and this is something that I always try to get across, is um, don't focus too much on how a question is worded, but think about why you're being asked a question more so than how how they ask it. So why would you be a good fit for our program? I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could go with that. You can definitely incorporate your strengths, which I think you could have done a little bit more. But um, I think I misanswered this. Like, I took this question more like, why, why do you, you apply here? go to our program instead of, like, why, why should we pick you? Well, yeah. and that's where it, it honestly encompasses all of those things. And that's where you have to kind of take the concepts of this is what you guys have and this is what I have and marry those two things together. So, and you did that with the things you talked about. I mean, talk about the class size and how you think you would succeed in their class size, kind of helping them to picture you. Um, one of our admissions people at the school I went to, her favorite saying was, I'm looking for people who are going to be great classmates and great colleagues. And so that's what she was looking for in interviews. So this question, it is why did you apply here? Why do you want to go here? But it's also why should we pick you? Why are you going to be that classmate that we have to have in our class? So I liked that you obviously did your homework on the program, which I don't know if you knew all that before you would have been in the program, but um, okay, um, I, I believe you. But yeah, so you obviously showed you that you've done your 
homework, but I think you could have talked up yourself a little bit more and your strengths as far as what what you would bring to the class, um, whether that's just being encouraging, being funny, kind of being positive. Devastatingly good luck. <laughs> yes, exactly. You have the, <laughs> um, the appearance scale. Um, but, yeah, I mean, even, like, in my interview, I talked about how I – was really organized in how in undergrad and how that helped me and helped other like my classmates and my other um like my friends really honestly because I was able to help them make their schedules and stay on top of things and then um I talked about how in PA school I planned on continuing that as far as I like to make study guides and I wanted to share those with my classmates and I was from the um, town I went to school in and so that was a benefit and I always think location should be part of your answer whether it is somewhere close by or far away just because you don't want to go somewhere where you're going to be miserable but um, yeah so it was a benefit for them to have someone from the area who could help other people get adjusted as well so you want to think about anything and everything that makes you unique that you can kind of discuss and and make you stand apart from maybe somebody sitting next to you. And I think if I had interpreted the question correctly, I probably would have spoken about my leadership skills and like how I have a lot of work experience that I've been like working and balancing school since the age of 16. So I kind of bring in that perspective of like just genuinely self-motivated. And I think that being self-motivated, you kind of are – more willing to help others and kind of help them fix need as well. And yeah. so I think that would probably be where I went with that question. Yeah, just after thinking about it a little bit. That's why practice helps, right? <laughs> All right. Um, okay. What's this one? Um, tell me about a time that you were in a stressful situation. situations so I need to have just a minute to decide which one probably to represent my self the best so let's talk about Uncle Bell's drive-through on a Saturday night football game when you are 16 you barely understand the world to begin with. And then you get thrown in the drive-thru, and you have car after car after car. And I don't know how many of you have worked in food, but you have a time. Like, you have to get the person to the window, their food, and out of the window again in only 45 seconds. And on the weekends, because it's a little busier, you get a minute. So, honestly, I think that's probably the most stressful time in my life is when I very first started working and I didn't know how to manage my time multitask efficiently. And so it took a lot of work to kind of realize, like, okay, if I do this first, then I do this, then I do this, I can flow into the correct order necessary to get this order up. And it took probably a couple weeks before I like felt comfortable in the window. And I feel that probably is weird because we're talking about like going into medicine, but I think that because I've been dealing with customers and people and being yelled at for a long time, 10 years now, um, I'm very good under stress because of that experience actually, which might seem weird, but it's true. Okay. That was a good example. Um, one thing I want you guys just to notice is how, and I, I mean, this comes across to me and I'm sure it does to you too, is just how genuine Jamie is. And I have full faith that this is exactly how she was in her actual interviews too. Um, and we didn't talk about any of this beforehand really. So yeah, so you, you need to be yourself and talk like yourself and show your personality through your answers. So, Jamie, you're doing a really good job of that. I would expect nothing less. 
and yeah um so I feel like one thing that I tell people to do and I actually have worksheets on my website to help with this and it was a tip that I was given um before my interviews was to make a list of experiences and stories that you feel like you want the admissions people to know before you leave the room and things that you think are important so it's awesome that you worked at Taco Bell for a very long time. Even though it's not medical, it's very service-oriented. And it's something that, um, I mean, got you experience with just dealing with people and stressful situations. So that is something that you want to incorporate and talk about. Um, so one thing that people are asking about in um, – I'm glad that you did this, is they said, is it okay to take a second to talk about things and, or to think about it before you answer? And it is. It's better to um, to take a second and say, I haven't thought about that before or give me a minute to think about that than to jump right in and dig a hole that you can't get yourself out of or to make a fool of yourself or to get flustered. They know that you're nervous and they know that well, they're assuming that you don't know exactly what they're going to ask you. So it's okay. Like, if you need to take a second, just do that. Um, so, yeah, I think I agree. Amanda asked that, and then we've had some people chime in. So I think you did really good with that there. I think the one thing that you could have done even to kind of bring it full circle would be to address not only – what that stressful situation was, but how is that going, how has it helped you? How is it going to help you in the future? So kind of saying like, because I've had to learn how to adapt in a new scenario and get used to dealing with people really quickly, when I'm on rotations, I feel like I can jump right in and catch on to things really quickly because I've been thrown into this um, through my job. And then Oh, no. Or do you want to add anything? The didactic year by saying something along the lines of like, uh, it's taught me really good time management. It's mm. made me very good at yeah. knowing when I study and when I need to go to work and trying to balance everything at the same time. Yeah, I know that's really good too. So, yeah, you could definitely add a little bit more with that. So, one thing I want to point out is let's say that I asked you, how do you handle stress? How would you have answered that question differently? How do I handle stress? Yeah. I handle stress pretty good. I am very good at handling stress. Um, I am the best de-stressor that there is. That's the bad thing you were looking for. <laughs> no, I mean, just, so you have to think about um, in your interview. So the first version of, like, tell me about a time you were in a stressful situation, that's more of a behavioral style question. Whereas sometimes you're just asked these direct questions, but the more that you can incorporate stories and examples, the better. So even if you're just asked, how do you handle stress? Instead of saying, well, I go for a walk and I pet my dog and make cookies. It's better to say, you know, I've been in stressful situations like you have. I worked at Taco Bell and it was really tough and blah, blah, blah. So Use those examples and think about when you're practicing questions, rephrasing them in your head. And that's something that takes a little bit of time. But, um, and no, don't tell. Yes. Yeah. So do a lot more showing, not much telling, and use those examples. Um, and when you're looking at questions, if one says, let's say, how do you um, – how do you deal with conflict instead of just saying, oh, I like to talk it out, say no, or talk about a conflict and switch it into tell me about a time you had to resolve a conflict. Yeah. And that has the added benefit of you can demonstrate that you've been there, you've done that, here's how you handled it, and here's how you learned from it. Yeah. And, I mean, that applies obviously to when it's asked the behavioral way, but when you rephrase it like that, I think it does a much better job. I totally agree with you. Uh -huh. All right. Well, also, it's just really boring to hear someone list off their, like, if you were to ask me how I de-stress, I was like, oh, I watch TV, and I go, I don't, and sometimes I'll, like, like you don't care. You're like, all right, you lost me, like, ten minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's some really good comments right now, Jamie. I don't know if you're like even. I'm, watching I'm watching them, them and I'm trying really hard not, <laughs> not to. Laugh. I know. 
We can address this question if it's that important. Do you want to address it? I don't know my answer. I'm, I'm kind of on team, like, tiny horses would be better. Okay. I'm going to say, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? Okay, you answer, then I'm going to answer. So, initially I was about to jump on that boat of, like, the tiny horses, but I feel like they'd be cute and I wouldn't be able to fight them. So I'd rather have to just run away from a duck-sized horse or a horse-sized duck because they're, like, webbed feet, make it hard for them to run, and I would just run them. Okay, so my, this is, so this is, I guess I've been doing mock interviews too much. This is where my brain goes with this question is, my first thought, let's, let's pretend this is an MMI style question, which you definitely want to like think out loud and show your train of thought. So my first thought is, first of all, I want to know where we're fighting. Are we in an (laughs) arena? Am I enclosed? Can I get away? Like, where, where are we at? that what's our setting and then I want to know what what kind of I guess weapons I don't know if I want to hurt them but what kind of weapons are available um what I'm working with here like if it's just me by myself and I have nothing oh gosh um I probably would I guess say the horse-sized duck because I feel like I might could get away from that easier but if it's if I have some tools I don't know, probably still the horse-sized duck. I don't know. The, the thought of 100 duck-sized horses scares me, and I feel like they'd be faster, but maybe not. Can it Can it fly? I don't know. Someone just asked if they really ask questions like this, and I haven't been asked a silly question like this, but I have actually been asked, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? And mm-hmm. so you get some sort of, like, sporadic questions, mm-hmm. They might throw you because you're like, what kind of animal would I be? What's a good animal that's like really smart would be a great PA? Like, how do you answer that? Yeah. So I think that is definitely a tough one. Well, it's all about showing creativity and just, again, showing your thought process and not just seizing up and getting so flustered you can't even answer. You know what I said? I will never forget. I don't even like this animal like, it's not, it's, like, on the low end of my animal list. But I was, like, if I had to be an animal, I would be a cat. Because they get to just, like, knock stuff off tables and people think they're cute. And then they take naps in the sun. And, like, that just sounds like an awesome life. That's <laughs> what you said? <laughs> That's awesome. Like, I'm interviewing for a PA school. Like, so professional. And I told them I wanted to knock things off tables. Well, I'll tell you my... It worked out for me. Yeah, my my most, I guess, my embarrassing answer that I thought was embarrassing was um, they asked me, if you could have any other job besides being a PA or working in medicine, what would you do? And so when I do mock interviews, a lot of people will say like, oh, I'd be a teacher or I would um, open a nonprofit or something like that. I go, I would open a wedding dress store what no idea not sure where that came from I think I just I don't know I guess I was 21 and wanted to get married and I've been watching say yes to the dress and I mean even now I mean yeah it'd be fun to have a wedding dress store but that's the most I guess frivolous answer but they loved it honestly and then so different yeah and I think they were so sick of hearing all the normal stuff and then after that was like the last question they asked me so then they asked me if I had any questions for them and I just said, well, if you guys weren't PAs, because it was a two-on-one, what would you do if you weren't? And they loved it. They were like, ooh, I'd be a singer, and I would open a bookstore. <laughs> so then we just got to kind of talk about other stuff. So it was kind of fun. But, yeah, that – I mean, it's just – you just have to really be yourself. And I know it sounds cliche, but so many people – just want to say the right thing and use the right words. And that's not a thing. Like, they wouldn't have invited you for an interview if they didn't really want to get to know who you were. And they don't want to hear the right thing. So, right. Yeah. But yeah, be ready for anything, like any type of question. I mean, it's fair game, whatever. Ooh, a chocolate taste tester. <laughs> There you go. I've always wondered how you get those types of jobs, like ice cream flavor makers and stuff. And I don't know. 
that's that's a whole nother topic but okay I think this will be a good one and I'm glad we have some PA people in the comments um this kind of a <laughs> it's not scary it's okay um all right you're working as a PA and a patient comes in and they're very upset that they are on your schedule because they did not want to see the PA what do you do don't make that face So I'm trying to like think of how I would have answered before school. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so this answer is probably a little biased, but if a patient came to the practice and didn't realize that they were booked with a PA, they were seeing a physician that day, the first thing I would probably do is kind of question their concern. Like, well, why do you want to see the doctor? And if they just don't really understand what a PA is, and I get the impression they just think the doctors the only prescribe their treatment, diagnose their disease, whatever it is, then I do a little bit of education, and I would say, you know, as a PA, I can do X, Y, Z, and I think you'll really like the care. And, you know, sometimes you're still going to have a patient after that says, no, I will see the doctor. And at that point, just smile and you say, okay, it'll be like an hour and a half. And you smile and you leave because you're not on their schedule. You're going to have to wait until they have an opening. You don't actually say that part. You just smile and you think that part in your head and you say, I'll go get the doctor and let him know that you'd like to see him. And you go out and you do that. And you say, this person doesn't want to see a PA. I did my patient spiel with no luck, so... Here you go. Here's the new patient for you. What if the doctor's not available? Well, um, they're not so well because... Don't say that. You would not <laughs> say that. It's a great example of what not to say. <laughs> um, so, I, I don't know what I would do in that situation. Even now, if I had gone out and the, like they refuse to see me like I'm sorry you have to go home then because there is no there's no appointment for you today if you don't see me you're not seeing the doctor so you're welcome to make an appointment with them on another day but you can also give me a chance and see how it goes yeah I mean that's basically the right answer to reschedule give them the option to reschedule so this type of question, and this does happen, it doesn't happen to me very much anymore, but um, every once in a while it'll happen. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it. what this comes down to, like why is this important, is realizing that it is the patient's choice and they do not have to see a PA. A lot of patients don't understand what a PA is, um, but they don't have to see you. And if, if the doctor is available, great, maybe they can see them. If not... They need to reschedule. But this is a great opportunity to educate patients. And so you do want to go ahead and educate them. And what I always tell people is if you haven't already shown that you really have a good understanding of what a PA is, go ahead and say that. Say, I would tell this patient, I'm a physician assistant. I went to graduate school to train under the medical model to work with a supervising physician as part of a team so that I could see patients, come up with their treatment plans, order any labs and imaging I needed, prescribe their medications, and do almost everything your doctor can do while working with them. And just go ahead and kind of say that. And then if they still aren't happy, that's fine. They can move on um <laughs> yeah so like some of the people are saying like I'm not it's not gonna hurt my feelings like and honestly I'd rather a patient tell me that they want to see the doctor than be upset about having to see me or like if they want to schedule their follow-up with the doctor that's fine just tell me don't get like I would prefer that to you getting rude with me obviously I wouldn't go into that in an interview but whatever um <laughs> so yeah that's getting into um I don't know just kind of general I don't know real life stuff now that we're kind of there so um yeah okay I don't know regarding the comment that I just saw that mm -hmm. says the patient is always right that's not necessarily true because a lot of times patients come in and they think they know exactly what they need oh I have a cold I need an antibiotic is the classic example 
that's another opportunity to educate. And there are going to be a lot of times where the picture is not right, and you need to tell them, I'm sorry, but I'm not comfortable doing that because of this. Like, your viral illness is caused by a virus, and antibiotics only kill bacteria, which is a different type of entity. It's a different type of infection. If you're going to talk about, like, viruses and bacteria, kind of like cats and dogs. Like, they both are animals, but they're going to like different things. One's going to play fetch with you, and one's going to like this. Oh, if I'm playing fetch with my antibiotic, it's not going to work with the cat. It's just not. Except for the rare cats that sometimes work for. This is a horrible analogy. Stop talking. No, no, you're okay. But you know what I mean? Like, you need to, like, the, sometimes the patient's wrong, and yeah. Well, and to be honest, that's part of being a PA. Like, you need to feel confident in your knowledge and in your training and in your abilities to help patients make the best decisions and not be swayed one way or another. And that's that's having to do with patients. That's having to do with coworkers. Your supervising physician. Um, that kind of brings up the question as far as um, – let's say your supervising physician asks you to give a medicine to a patient and you kind of look into it. You haven't been following the patient, but you check up on them and read their chart and you don't feel like it's the best choice for that patient. What would you do? Is it not the best choice or is it contraindicated? Those are questions you probably wouldn't know if you weren't. So I actually was asked this question almost specifically, but it did, it was, you're working in a hospital on night shift, you're the only PA on staff, and the only physician is a resident, and the person you're reporting to is a resident. So, you're pretty autonomous in your hospital, however, the resident that you're working is about to go to sleep. He says, I'm going to the call room, don't disturb me, I'm going to sleep for like six hours, can you please discharge my patient? And you're like, yeah, no problem, I can discharge the patient. So you go into his chart, you see that the discharge is prepped, ready, and you realize that one of the medications that was given for this patient, and I think they either said, like, they're allergic to, or, and they kind of made it a little bit. And in that case, I was able to answer it because it was inappropriate for the patient. I think it's a lot harder when you say, um, like for the question to be that you don't think it's the best choice because I, I would answer the questions very differently. True. If, if it's just not the best choice in my opinion, like there's research out there, I would probably talk to the doctor first and say, hey, I just saw an article on this thing. They showed that this med is actually doing really well for this patient's disease and I think that they'd be a really great candidate for it. What do you think? And usually that like gives them the opportunity to say, no, I want to keep it, or you just go ahead and do it, and they're like, yeah, that's awesome, I didn't know about that, let me, like, share that article with me. On the opposite end of the spectrum, the question I was asked with, like, the resident and, like, patient for that, I think it was an accurate and in that case, you would answer it that the patient comes first in, in this scenario, I am not going to discharge that was something that's going to harm them period, end of discussion, and I don't care if I go back to, oh, no, it's fine, you can prescribe it anyways, that's my license offline, mm-hmm. and if if the uh, resident, supervising physician, whoever is that gung-ho about them giving that specific medication, then I'm not comfortable prescribing it, and they can do their own work, and they can prescribe it themselves. Yeah, no, that, and that's what it gets down to, and so I guess a better way to ask that and usually I, like, go into this whole scenario kind of like yours, but um, is like, you feel like it would be harmful to a patient. What do you do? Ultimately, if you feel like something's going to harm a patient, you're not going to do it. And you need to feel confident enough in, again, your knowledge and your relationship with your supervising physician to talk to them and say, hey, I don't think this is a good choice. I don't think this is something that's going to help this patient. It could potentially harm them. Um, make sure you've done your homework, but you don't need to blindly say, oh, well, my doctor told me to do it, so I'm just going to do it because, yeah, if something bad happens, it's on you. Your name's on the prescription, not theirs. And um, 
a lot of times I'll talk about in mock interviews, like, what if the doctor had just gotten bad news and, like, told you the wrong patient or the wrong medicine because they were flustered about something like you don't know and so it's up to you to kind of follow up on things make sure you're covering all your bases documenting well um to to be as cover yourself as much as possible I was talking to one of my professors about this question like probably a year or so later we were discussing interview questions and it was around the time that I was making the YouTube video for Andrea for the med enthusiast stuff Mm -hmm. And I had asked her, I was like, so what's the worst answer you've gotten for that? And apparently there are people who are just gutsy enough, let's use that word, they're gutsy enough, that they said, I would tell the doctor he's wrong, and I would say, you shouldn't prescribe this. And I would tell him that that's not appropriate. And I'm like, it doesn't matter who they are, I don't care if they are us nurse aide or mm-hmm. they have been a doctor for 50 years you are respectful to everybody okay. everybody like you just you just can't answer that way you you can't just tell them what to do even, yeah. even if like even if that person doesn't know you you shouldn't bark at them Mm-mm. no that's not yeah that's a that's a really good way to not make friends um <laughs> <laughs> you not want to do that all right Let's do this one. Don't turn too many hard ones at you. This Okay, I'm going to do this one because I think it's a hard question. You may not. What's the most selfless thing you've ever done? The most selfless thing I have ever done. I'm going to need a moment to think about this question because that is a really good question. Not that I'm a horribly selfish person, but it's not often that I think people just give something entirely with no no positive benefit for themselves. I think probably the best answer I could give for that is the amount of time I put into volunteering walking dog because I don't necessarily need to. It's not like something that's a requirement from me. I actually didn't even do it to get into school. I walked dogs because I felt bad they were sitting in cages all the time. And they were really short on walkers and I had gotten enough begging for people. I was like, I could easily donate my time and so I would spend like probably two hours three times a week or so walking dogs and just exercising for like two hours straight to get these dogs out and run around I think if I had prepared for this interview not that I didn't prepare guys I'm so (laughs) prepared but if I had actually taken the time to do exactly what we said, where you kind of think about, like, okay, what's a really common question, and what kind of scenarios can I use to talk about that? I, this is a this is a classic in a question for jobs, for schools, for anything, because they want to know about your character. And if I had time, if I had time to prep, I probably would have something more legit ready. But like. I am a pretty selfish person. Well, I mean, and that's that's what this comes down to. I and I get different answers. I get either I mean, I'm a selfish person. So I mean I either get um kind of flustered, like can't come up with anything, versus somebody's done something amazing that I'm just like, oh my gosh, that was really selfless. Um so for me, when I was asked this at twenty one, obviously I'm not selfless. Um I, my answer was I'd recently been on a mission trip to Amsterdam and one of the girls on our trip on the way back, she was feeling really airsick and just nauseous. And so her seat ended up being in the back of the plane all by herself and the rest of the team was up in the front together. And so I offered to switch seats with her just so she would have less turbulence and be with the team so that she could feel better. So I just sat in the back by myself for 10 hours. That's so nice of you. It, but it, it, like, really wasn't a big deal to me at all. Like, I literally didn't care. And um, my seat was actually next to her boyfriend. And, and I think I may have talked about that. I don't know. So, like, I let her sit next to her boyfriend. But um, 
But yeah, like, but to me, and I think that's the problem with this question is like a lot of things we do that are selfless. Like you said, like, you don't like, it's fun to walk dogs. Like it's not something that bothers you. And so, so I said, when I enter motherhood, every moment will be selfless. That's a good example. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, that to me just wasn't a big deal, but it was a great example. And I got to talk about my mission trip. So it kind of deep reflective thought that most of the things we do, it's like, I didn't even think twice about it because it's just genuinely a kind thing to do. Right. Like it occurred to me that that would be this crazy selfless moment I would be talking about here today, but here I am. Well, yeah, and it comes down to just ethical questions. So sometimes a question I'll ask is, tell me about a time you had to make an ethical decision. And that question's really hard for people. And I think the reason is we we don't have to necessarily think most times about between making decisions between right and wrong. We choose right all day long. Like you choose to stop at the stop sign and not hit the person walking across the street because it's the right thing to do, but you don't think about it. I mean, you choose to hold the door for an old lady coming in the grocery store, but it's, I mean, just cause you don't want her to get hit with the door. Like we don't think about these things. So when you have to sit there and think about it, it changes it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have like four minutes, so we're going to get kicked off. Do you want um, to touch questions? That yeah, everyone wants to, everyone's asking about healthcare. Um, and I will say that I personally was not asked about the current politics. I know that it happens and that you should be roughly up to date. Like, you should know your state's legislation. And if mm-hmm. there's really big things happening with AAPA, you should probably know about that. Yeah. But as far as like the nitty gritty of like, what is Trump going to do for healthcare? Like, I don't think you should read all, like, however many pages there are in this new proposed bill. Like, that's no. not going to do you any good. No. Um, yeah. So I was asked a little bit about this. And um, so first of all, I would not recommend bringing up anything having to do with healthcare or politics unless you're specifically asked. So let's say you're asked, like, what's the biggest challenge facing PAs? Like, there's not really a reason to bring up specifics of healthcare because you're opening the door for them to ask you more about it and potentially digging a hole you can't get out of and I do talk about this in the book um because I was asked in my interview well okay so the girl before me came back and rookie mistake don't ever do this she came back and told us what she was asked and she was like they asked me about how the affordable care act um what did they say how how do you feel like politics will will affect PAs just a very general, broad question. Um, and she said that she brought up the Affordable Care Act. And then the interviewer looked at her and said, well, what is the Affordable Care Act? So if she had have never said that, like, she would have never had that issue. And she did not get accepted. She was accepted the year after. But, um, yeah, so with that, I mean, in my mind, it's best to keep things very broad. So that's how I coach. Um, you should not be expected to know all the rules. Like even as a PA, it's really hard to follow. So it's more along the lines of in general with healthcare, no one really knows exactly what is happening. I just got a two minute countdown. Um, but no one knows exactly what's happening with it. And ultimately the goal over the past few years and will probably continue to be a push to, make sure more people have healthcare, which means more people are going to need providers and more people are going to need PAs. So how it affects the PA profession specifically is that there's going to be a continued need and there's going to be a need for competent providers to make sure that those patients get the care that they deserve. Um, so that's how I go about it. Um, I, and I've heard of people being asked like, once actually about like HMOs and PPOs and stuff like I don't even really understand that and to be honest if I was in an interview setting I would probably say that I would probably just say like that I've I've attempted to read up on that and it is very complicated but ultimately to me it just means that there are preferences with some insurances as far as who they see and um, for some of those I'm not exactly sure. Hopefully as a PA, I'll learn more about that. And in PA school, I hope to learn more about that as well. Like, that's my answer. So, um, And with our minute, I will say you most likely sign a non-disclosure. And if you share your interview questions and they find that out, if you get accepted, they can withdraw your acceptance. And if you 
like, if you don't get accepted, that's probably why. So do not share your interview questions, especially specifics, and be like, this school asked me this. Do not do that. Especially not in a public forum. (laughs) Okay, guys, if you stuck with me, I hope you found that valuable. And, um, yeah, I hope that comes in handy this cycle. If you're applying, I'll have my fingers crossed that you get some interviews. The Physician Assistant Interview Guide is now available on both Amazon and my website. I'll be talking about that more in the upcoming weeks and some things that are going to go along with that. But if you have any questions about it, please let me know. And, yeah, I hope this was helpful. So have a good week, everyone, and we'll see you next week.